listening to the podcast 82488. In later years, I was to confront the stereotype picture of gay song singing cotton pickers with such inordinate rage that I was told even by fellow blacks that my paranoia was embarrassing. But I had seen the fingers cut by the mean little cotton balls, and I had witnessed the backs and shoulders and arms and legs resisting any further demands. And that was a selection from today's novel. I know why the caged bird sings by author Maya Angelo. Page eight. Overalls. He'd used the candy as a snack before the noon sun called the workers to rest. In those tender mornings, the store was full of laughing, joking, boasting, and bragging. One man was going to pick 200 pounds of cotton and another 300. Even the children were promising to bring home four bits and six bits. The champion picker of the day before was the hero of the dawn. If he prophesied that the cotton in today's field was going to be sparse and stick to the bowls like glue, every listener would grunt in hearty agreement. The sound of the empty cotton sacks dragging over the floor and the murmurs of waking people were sliced by the cash register as we rang up the five-cent sales. If the morning sounds and smells were touched with the supernatural, the late afternoon had all the features of the normal Arkansas life. In the dying sunlight, the people dragged rather than their empty cotton sacks. Brought back to the store, the pickers would step out of the backs of trucks and fold down, dirt disappointed to the ground. No matter how much they had picked, it wasn't enough. Their wages wouldn't even get them out of debt to my grandmother, not to mention the staggering bill that waited on them at the white commissary downtown. The sounds of the new morning had been replaced with grumbles about cheating houses, weighted scales, snakes, skimpy cotton and dusty rolls. In later years, I was to confront the stereotype picture of gay song singing cotton pickers with such inordinate rage that I was told even by fellow blacks that my paranoia was embarrassing. But I had seen the fingers cut by the mean little cotton balls, and I had witnessed the backs and shoulders and arms and legs resisting any further demands. Page 24. In stamps, the custom was to can everything that could possibly be preserved. During the killing season, 
After the first frost, all neighbors helped each other to slaughter hogs and even the quiet, big-eyed cows if they had stopped giving milk. The missionary ladies of the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church helped Mama prepare the pork for sausage. They squeezed their fat arms elbow deep in the ground meat, mixed it with gray nose, opening sage, pepper, and salt, and made tasty little samples for all the obedient children who brought wood for the slick black stove. The man chopped off the larger pieces of meat and laid them in the smokehouse to begin the curing process. They opened the knuckle of the hams with their deadly looking knives, took out a certain round harmless bone. It could make the meat go bad and rubbed salt, coarse brown salt that looked like fine gravel into the flesh and the blood popped to the surface. Throughout the year until the next frost, we took our meals from the smokehouse, the little garden that lay cousin close to the store and from the shelves of canned foods. There were choices on the shelves that could set a hungry child's mouth to watering. Green beans snapped always the right length. Collards, cabbage, juicy red tomato preserves that came into their own on steaming buttered biscuits. And sausage, beets, berries, and every fruit grown in Arkansas. But at least twice yearly, Mama would feel that as children, we should have fresh meat included in our diets. We were then given money, pennies, nickels, and dimes entrusted to Bailey, and sent to town to buy liver. Since the whites had refrigerators, their butchers bought the meat from commercial slaughterhouses in Texarkana. Page 88, where Bailey and I were again staying. They understood that I could talk to Bailey, but to no one else. Then came the last visit from the visiting nurse, and the doctor said I was healed. That meant that I should be back on the sidewalks playing handball or enjoying the games I had been given when I was sick, when I refused to be the child they knew and accepted me to be. I was called impudent in my muteness, sullenness. For a while, I was punished for being so uppity that I wouldn't speak. And then came the thrashings given by any relative who felt himself offended. We were on the train going back to Stamps. And this time, it was I who had to console Bailey. He cried his heart down the aisles of the coach and pressed his little boy body against the window pane looking for a last glimpse of his mother dear. I have never known if Mama sent for us or if the St. Louis family just got fed up with my grim presence. There is nothing more appalling than a constantly morose child. I cared less about the trip than about the fact that Bailey was unhappy.
of our destination than if I had simply been heading for the toilet. The end. I know why the caged bird sings. Maya Angelo. Throughout the flight of literature, you will find a story that touches your soul. Please support the authors in this show by viewing the books on the website 82488.com. That's numbers 824, the word 80.